What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Welcome to the Reggae Lover Podcast. Reggae Lover Podcast is Khalil Wanda. And I'm Agard. What up, people? Thanks for tuning in. Big up to Nice Up Radio. Yeah, man. And big up to everybody listening all across the world on every single platform where podcasts are available. This season, we have a trend. We have a theme. We have conversations with industry insiders. For today's guest, we have MC, the proprietor, the owner, the founder of Nightlife Buzz. MC does a lot of different things within the industry, knows a lot of different people, has a lot of different insight, uh, especially when it comes to New York City partying and Jamaica, reggae and all of this stuff. So we like to have people on who have different angles and different insights. Enjoy our conversation with MC. If you've gone to a Caribbean party in NYC, if you've gone to Dream Weekend, most likely you're going to see this guy, you know, if you're going on party cruises. Nightlife Buzz is everywhere, man. And they have some of the top, the best quality photos for nightlife, Caribbean parties. Guy's been in the game for a minute. We'll forgive him. He, he lives in the Bronx, but, you know, <laughs> it's all good. fired early. Yeah, yeah, I know. I had to get in there. Um, So... MC, what's going on, man? How you been? I'm good, I'm good. Trying to stay healthy. Trying to stay alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, man. That's how it is nowadays. Gotta protect yourself, you know? I want to know, what's what's your journey been with reggae? For you, what is reggae? What's your connection to reggae? I was born in a household. I mean, I was born in Kingston, Jamaica, so mm. you, mm. it's pretty much what you hear 24-7 growing up. I think one of the greatest things for me was my parents had a... Um, had a component set and a collection of LPs. So I had my little turntable. Well, not a little, but I had a turntable. I could, you know, go through their collection. Um, a lot of, uh, I'd say, old school R&B music, like the spinners and so on. But of course, you know, there's a Bob Marley LP in there. There was um, a few of this, few of that. Then, I, of course, you go to your little parties here and there and you dance or whatever you hear on the radio, whatever dance all songs popular. But in high school, I think um, around the time I started buying my little record collection. Okay. Never really wanted to be like a sound system or anything, but used to just save my lunch money and go to half a tree, the record shops every Friday, buy this 45 or you hear the song on the radio, buy this or you listen to your sound clash cassettes you hear a, a, a particular dub plate because usually back then you'd hear the dub plate version of a song before the 45. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. So I'd go to record shop every Friday asking about this song. Sometimes you probably even have to sing a piece of the song for the guy to say, oh yeah, yeah, yeah I know that one. Uh, no, that one didn't come out yet. Mm-hmm. Mm. But then migrated right after high school to the to New York and left my record collection back home. Yeah, which which high school did you go to in Jamaica? Uh, Jamaica College. JC old boy yeah my brother went there okay okay yeah then um came here left my record collection back home and that i think that was probably my most prized possession 
that I wanted because that was maybe a good four years of high school collecting records almost every Friday, like the by a 45 years. So a whole bunch of Ninja Man, a whole bunch of Bounty Killers, um, a whole bunch of like Sanchez uh, covers and stuff like that. Then so you, you were sound man. <laughs> no, I believe this or not. I've never put on a headset and try to mix two records ever. Okay. Yeah. Ever in my life. But I grew up around a lot of sound systems. My neighbor, like, if I walk out in my backyard, my neighbor directly across the next side of the fence had a sound system. He had the biggest sound system in my neighborhood. My last three years of high school, I used to roll with this guy that had a sound system. Matter of fact, he used to borrow some of my records mm. to play when he had um, parties and stuff like that. Came to New York. One of my friends from my community back home, he his neighbor across the street had a sound system. So that's how I got into the New York party scene because they used to play out every weekend and I just drive from Queens or sorry, I mean drive from Mount Vernon where I live at the time or the Bronx to Queens, hang out with them for, for the weekend, get into party okay. and stuff like that. So let's take a break to talk about one of our great sponsors. I tell you what, I was listening to an audio book about Bob Marley on Audible entitled So Much Things to Say. Mm -hmm. It's an oral history written and performed by Roger Steffens. He spent time down in Jamaica interviewing everybody, including Marley and everybody that was around him. So I'm talking Rita Marley, Skill Cole, film crews that were down filming him, you know, all the members of the Whalers. He's having these conversations in these interviews that he also collected while he was doing the radio shows. He put all this information into a book. What's so great about it is it, it just immerses you into the experience, quoting Peter Bunny, the incidents that happened with Bob getting shot, the concert when he brings the two political leaders on stage. And so you really get the excitement, the energy of what is going on. That book right there, I strongly recommend it to any reggae lover, anybody that's into Bob Marley, and we have a special deal. Go to Audible and get a free book, free trial of Audible. Visit audibletrial.com slash reggae lover, and there you can grab a free copy of this book. And the reason why I like Audible is because I like to learn new things, but sometimes I don't have time to read a book. I don't have time to sit there and leaf through the pages because I got work to do. So I like to listen to books in the car. If I'm riding a bike, just taking a walk in the neighborhood, there's so many different ways that you can actually learn new information or be entertained. You know, me personally, I like nonfiction. I like biographical stuff. So Audible is a great tool to use in order to take in that information and still go along with your day. Audible, they have the best narrators. You know, you're able to keep where you're at in the book. It's a very convenient way to take in new information and be entertained. Visit audibletrial.com slash reggae lover. So much things to say. The title by Roger Steffens, Oral History of Bob Marley. So how did you how did you get into photography? When did when did that come along? That kind of came along. All right. So um what was probably the longest running dancehall website called dancehallregate.com? Mm -hmm. I discovered mm -hmm. that through college. Made friends with a few other guys there, and one of them introduced me to one of the guys that ran dancehallregate.com, Drew or Sita as he was known. And mm. he and I kind of clicked and he started inviting me to events with him. And my mom had this little digital slash Polaroid camera. And I used to bring it with me and just take pictures at like stage shows in Amazur or stuff like that. Slowly upgraded to a smaller camera, smaller pocket camera till finally, hey, this camera can get me into events for free. Mm -hmm. Became a thing. Plus there was a website there for me to put the pictures on. So 
yeah mm-hmm. we, yeah so i started doing that then i just kind of became synonymous with dancehallreggae.com in new york okay yeah and uh, a little birdie told me to ask you about dancehall minded as well i wasn't around for dancehall minded okay so he had the wrong information <laughs> yes <laughs> it was dancehall reggae yeah, so you know, you I get I'm guessing you're pretty active on dancehall reggae as well, right? Was um that site doesn't exist anymore, but yeah, 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 yeah. I was pretty active on it. I I helped run it for I'd say maybe about the last close to the last decade of its mm-hmm. of its existence. Okay. Yeah, because cool, that cool. site was started by um Scrappy, who did all the videos from like Pasa Pasa and so on, but he was just more focused on capturing the dancehall scene in Jamaica and editing and stuff like that. Um, I think the biggest part of that website was the message board yeah, forum, definitely. and I pretty much I pretty much ran that. I helped develop that, flesh it out into different sub forums and stuff like that. And yeah, I kind of kept it going for like maybe the last eight years of its existence. Okay, it's funny how you say that because basically you ran it like so. Our our um, I guess experience with dancehall reggae was just the forum. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, mainly the forum. You know, and even when we um, we started a sound system, Highlander, we had Highlander.com. And, you know, for Atlanta, that was kind of like the dancehallreggae.com, you know, like everybody in the community. Because at the time, nobody really, you know, was doing forums like that. And then we were the first in Atlanta. Yeah. So it's interesting. Even when I was in um, overseas in the military, like dancehall reggae was like my main, you know, outlet to see what was going on. You know, because that was before YouTube was re- really big or anything like that. Or as I described it to people, dancehall reggae was the social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But then, right. if yeah. anything happened in the reggae world, you'll find out. We even, I think at one point, we even proved a few times where news outlets would get their information from dancehallreggae.com. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like the Jamaica Star, Jamaica Cleaner, and so on would get their info from dancehallreggae.com. Or, yeah. but m- most of the time, the news would hit there first, but it would just be hearsay. Okay. Until the real um, media outlets did their um, journalism and got a full story. Yeah, because I knew I knew you were involved with dancehall reggae and also with the photography stuff. Look, we're we're old foots now, right? Yeah, <laughs> we might be. I, I accepted it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, we don't know, we don't necessarily have an ear to the ground on what's going on in the dance hall, and we can talk about musically what's go- what's happened and what's changed. Yeah, but we're not actually in it, and you're in it like every single well up until Corona, but you know, pretty much every single weekend, every single week. Yeah. So, w- what are some of the major changes that you notice over time? And we're not just talking like this is a regular level podcast, but I know you do soca events, you do all types of stuff. Of what I've seen changed with music over the years, or well, well, just the dance hall scene, like dance hall scene. Yeah, one, I, I know that's a general well, question. No, but, one, yeah. it's gotten way more integrated, meaning like um, or right, so I'd say in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, at the Jamaican events, mm-hmm. it would be maybe 90%, 95% Jamaicans. And then, of course, you'd have your Haitian, uh, Trini, uh, uh, Guyanese, you know, like people from other islands that loved reggae. Mm-hmm. Even there was um, one of my good friends on Dance or Reggae that I still communicate with uh, every now and then. He's Bayesian, and he only listens to reggae. And... Then I had Jamaican friends who were on artists. Even to this day, I still have Jamaican friends who are only into soca music. <laughs> but now it's way, way more integrated. Like a Jamaican proto and 
Jamaican promoter in New York City will put on an event and maybe 60% of his audience is are Jamaicans and the rest are other islands. And you find a lot more Jamaicans now going to full-on Soko events. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because like um, a lot of the people that claim Jamaica are maybe second or third generation. They were born here. So they grew up, they grew up just accepting everything. They go to high yeah. school with Trinity's Bajans and so on. So I, I, I love that about it, that it's way, way, way more integrated now. Like if I feel like listen to Soka, I'll just go to a Soka event this weekend. Right. Or you have people that, okay, they like people from other um, islands, but they love SoundCloud. So they'll find themselves in, a sound clash in the Bronx or in Queens or Brooklyn somewhere. Right, right. Yeah, it's interesting because I remember back in the nineties, I mean, we used to curse curse out sound systems when they had the hip hop set. You know, now it's like you go in and like everything it's it's all open format right now, as yeah. far as I can tell, besides the most hardcore dances. Yeah, it it's definitely a lot more open now. Yeah, man. did you ever get into sound clash at all? I was for a long while, but I, I most people that know me closely, like I, I I'm known for saying that I, I kind of gave up on SoundClash after I think I don't know the year, but I, I I usually say that the last significant SoundClash to me was probably fully loaded 2001, which was Matron versus Filings, and since okay. then to me everyone has just been trying to duplicate that with the custom dub plates and you know you come prepared with your your i mean everyone used to have custom dub plates but like dub plates built for that i mean yeah you used to have that before like in previous fully loaded and, and so on and other um hardcore juggling events like ras and overloaded and those kind of things but to me that was probably the last significant sound clash to me especially after my favorite mc um squinji died <laughs> mm, yeah 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 so you're a bass soul fan or, or squinji's particularly no, no, basically, um, even before Squindry, but yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, but I'll, I'd say maybe in the last decade, no, I haven't been into Soundclash that much. You will, you may catch me in a Soundclash maybe once every five years. Mm. I wasn't expecting you to go back that early, um, back to 01, um, <laughs> with your answers. That was a little bit surprising. Pretty much every reference you just made is Jamaica, you know what I'm saying, even though you're in New York. So um, mm-hmm. is there... What do you have against the New York sounds or the, <laughs> the New York class scene? No, no, no. I've I've ghostwritten dub plates for New York sounds, okay. which I I won't mention. Um, I'm, well, I mean, I won't mention names, but yeah, I've ghostwritten dub plates. Few people know me, know about those. Even um, uh, one of our brethren that got me into into that one one day he looked at me and said, "Hey, yo, you know how much sounds you single handedly kill mm-hmm. that people never know about?" I'm like, "Eh, it's one of those things." And I'm talking big international sound systems. Yeah, this this is interesting. This is very interesting because you know um, we also listen to uh, Rumble Talk, and yeah, you know Drew over there also has a I guess a storied history. Yeah, of writing some dub plates. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but yeah, but yet you say you're not a sound man. Okay. <laughs> no, I've, I've never been a member of a sound. Never started a sound. Never had a sound name. I go by MC, which is my initials, but. People, when people meet me, they would always ask if MC has, if like an MC like a rapper or an MC like a, a mic chatter on a song. No, it's mm-hmm. just my initials, but 
I get it. Uh, yeah, that's good insight because I, I know we've had that conversation before to where it's like, you know, yeah, you don't listen necessarily to Clash anymore. And I know you're into what the, 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 the freestyle battles, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, like URL and stuff like that. But even that, I haven't been paying much attention to now. Um, I th- probably since they switched from putting their content on YouTube and they went to um, their their own app. They have a URL app, so you have to okay. be like a subscriber. And yeah, I'll, I'll wait until they put it on YouTube. Yeah. So how did you uh, how do you get involved with Dream Weekend? I know I know every year I see this bag of promotion from you. Uh, that started out as just well, um, when I started traveling back to Jamaica uh, years ago, um, I heard about Dream Weekend or people say, hey, if you're going to Jamaica for the summer, you should try Dream Weekend. Remember, um, which is about what what part of the year? What time? It's usually around, um, is it Jamaican Emancipation or Jamaican Independence? I think it's Jamaican Independence Weekend. So it's, it used to be the last weekend in July mm-hmm. or around the first weekend in August. First year I tried to go, I couldn't make any contact or I couldn't find um, like anyone that knew enough about it to go. The second year, a few of my friends were... Um, Few of my friends that I grew up with that live all over the world now. We're going and I found someone that had that rented like a villa, but they had an empty room. So I just gave the money and I just um, stayed at, in, in there and found out that a few of my friends from Canada, from England, from Jamaica were going. So I was just hanging out with them. And that was my first experience here. This was the very first year when they started calling it Dream Weekend because it had a different name prior to that. This was, uh, I'd say... 13 years ago, 12, 13 years ago. That was my mm-hmm. first time there. And I said, all right, now I know what I'm doing every summer mm-hmm. for as long as I can afford to go or as long as I'm alive. The so it's that good, huh? I lost $700 cash the day I was checking <laughs> out of my hotel. And that was the minor, <laughs> that was the minor detail of, of, of my of my weekend. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, and so since then, I've, I've been going back and I... um. I think maybe the next year or I think either the second or third year after that, they did like a promotion in New York. And I met of the few, I met a few of the, I met a couple of the organizers and I just made a connection with them. And plus I don't think they were even um, collecting their content then, like as far as pictures and so mm-hmm. on. So, but eventually they, they um, kind of understood the importance of, of um, getting like a gallery of their events and so on. And, and after that, they started hiring like their own photographers and so on. So, but in terms of like uh, promotion, like okay, I'm I'm kind of known in New York. I'm always I'm always all over the place in New York. So I, I guess I'm an outlet for them in New York to the point where I'm I I I'm an ambassador for for them now in New York City. Okay, cool, yeah. cool. Yeah, man. I mean, on this podcast, we we talk about a lot of different aspects of reggae, and one of them is documenting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I think for the most part, like we're seeing how important that is now, because if you look at some of these Salmon's like Instagram and stuff that they're sharing posters from decades ago, they're sharing photos from decades ago. And I think it's very important, not only the written word, but the, but the visuals. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I I think photographers are very important for the culture and especially somebody like you. So Khalil, I don't know if you know, like obviously, so I've been in a club that's pitch dark <laughs> and MC would get out his camera and I'm like, damn, how is he going to, I don't know how you do it. No magic. I know my, my wife's a photographer, but yeah. 
It's like it's, it looks like it's daytime in the club when he takes a picture, man. And the flash don't blind you. So I always appreciate that. I know that seems like a small point. Yeah. But, yo, I appreciate the documenting. Like, how do you feel about the fact that week in and week out, you know, you're documenting all of this stuff, you know? Every now and then I'll, I'll dig through some old folders. I mean, I've, I've lost hard drives filled with um, even pictures from way, way, way back. But I still have a few of them from um, the mid-2000s. And I, I used to, just out of fun, just grab a couple of those pictures on, on like, a Thursday and just throw them up on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And then I'd start getting messages from like some of the girls that are on those pictures, like, please delete that. Like, but that is how you looked eight years ago. <laughs> but all right, I, I get it. You're a hot girl now. No, I'll, I'll remove it. No problem. <laughs> Yo, have you ever thought about uh, publishing anything like a book or photos or that has been like presented that? to me? I, it, it's probably just diplomatic answer would be I like I'm I'm too busy, but it's probably just sheer laziness but that has been that idea has been presented to me before yeah man so i see if you have a body of work and and there's a narrative there i would i would encourage you to do it because i mean that's what we're pushing here like just you know for posterity just like you know documenting the culture man it's it's very 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 important very yeah um someone someone actually said that to me over the weekend um a guy i met maybe the second time and he's like, yo, Marie Tina, cause like, yeah, help document the culture and stuff like that, whatever. And I mean, like, I, I really take it as much, but I guess like in, on, on the drive back and replaying that in my head, I'm like, all right, I, I, he has a point. Like, yeah, I can see where it's coming from. Usually I just try to shrug off compliments as, as, um, okay. Yeah. I, maybe it's a personality trait. I, I don't know, but I usually just try to shrug off compliments, especially compliments from people that I know. Well, a compliment from a stranger, I usually take more, I usually look at it more deeply. You know, one of the reasons we talk about the importance of of us doing it, you know, documenting our own stuff and creating our own narratives around, you know what I'm saying, like our history, for lack of a better word, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, when in, in my research, you know, I've looked back to try to find stuff from the 80s and the 70s. And, you know, what I mean, even back before that, just trying to, you know, what I'm saying learn as much as I could about the music and the culture. And, you know, what I mean, I, like I love stuff from before I was born, you know, yeah. um, or before I was going to dances and stuff like that. And for the most part, you know, most of what you find out there is, you know, um, you know, an American or a, a British person or, you know what I'm saying, some crew come flies down to Jamaica and they end up, you know, being the ones that had cameras and, you know what I'm saying, yeah. they gained the access and they were the ones to, you know what I'm saying, be able to do, you know, write books, publish photos, you know what I'm saying, like a lot of the album covers from back then was like, you know, a handful of different people that took all of the photography, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, so I'm just like, you know, that's great, you know, because without that, we wouldn't even have the, you know, the footage and the pictures that we do have. Someone pointed out, someone pointed out, pointed that out to me, um, I guess they went to Jamaica to shoot a music video, but they ended up in, in like a street dance. Mm-hmm. And they had a photographer there with them. And he just went around, just started taking pictures in street. And this was maybe like a good seven years ago. Afterwards, uh, this friend was asking me if I have any 
pictures or if I know of any Jamaicans or that, that have pictures of a street dance, especially from the Pasa Pasa era. Mm-hmm. I'm like, there has to be. And I started digging around, digging around, digging around and could not find one. I found like a bunch of videos, but not photographs. And he's like, you're telling me that this white man that we brought to Jamaica is the mm-hmm. only one that has photographs of a street dance. Photography wasn't a big thing then. I believe I kind of helped popularize it in New York as well. Yeah, there were dancehall um, photographers in New York City, but these were many of the guys that had like the spray paint or the airbrush backdrop. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. the light stand at the back of the club and you go and you, and, you know, it's pretty much like a Polaroid and you, you get your picture there. Or some of them would have, I guess when we got into the digital era, they would have like a little digital printer and so on. Um, but in terms of uh, just having like a central location where you take pictures of a few hundred people and you say, hey, you go on this website tomorrow and or however many days later and get, get that picture. So, yeah, we I believe. Yeah, I, I, I think I can safely take a piece of that claim and say I hope to popularize it in New York City. Yeah, I mean, because even, even if you look at, like, the 90s, right, the video music box era, there's there's videos, and they popularized that. But, you know, I, I get what you're saying about the photography. It's like it's like the prison-style photography in the club, mm-hmm. but, like, nobody's really going and taking, like, crowd shots. And even recently, I've noticed that, you know, even a lot of the photographers that go through dances, not you, but I, I say you get a bunch of different perspectives, right? Yeah. You're getting crowd shots, you're, you're setting up your, your shots a certain way. But a lot of these photographers who might just be hustling is just strictly like one or two people straight, you know, straightforward. Yeah. And I said, you're not getting the perspective. So even that, you're not, you're not really getting the ambiance. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, also, like, e- even if I don't have my camera with me and I, go to an event with a friend and we're in a section or, or we're just standing in one spot, I get bored easily. Then I have to take a walk and walk around because I'm used to walking around and seeing what's over here or there's a different vibe, even though we're all listening to the same music, uh-huh. but there's a different vibe over here than what's over there. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. And yeah, I, that is definitely true. Like I do like to just walk around events. Whether I, I, I naturally I do that when I have the camera because if I'm if I have my camera and I'm standing in one spot for five minutes, I I my mind is just telling me I'm missing something over there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, that takes some skill, man, because you know I I did like a lot of the same thing um, down here in Atlanta. You know, what I'm saying as a young sound, you know, one of those strategies for marketing was you know, all right, we got fly the website, and then I bought a digital camera. You know, like this is like two thousand. Oh, one, you know, like it was huge, you know, as yeah. like you get like one megapixel or, you know, say three megapixels yeah, yeah, yeah. with yeah. a big compact yeah. flash card, you know, <laughs> and it's so big people, you know, thinking like, yo, it's a video man or something, you know, <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, my thing was like, all right, if we not booked out to play, then I got time. I'm going to go to the next party and just take pictures. You know what I'm saying? Put those up on the website. Um, yeah. But then walking around parties is something as a sound man, I would always do just to hear, you know, where it sounds nice, you know what I'm saying? Because the speakers, them, you know, different acoustics and clubs, and, you know, you get to see the different corners, see who's there to, to be able to better read the crowd and stuff like that, you know? Um, yeah. But then when I go to New York, I try to do the same thing, you know, but it's like, yo, people don't want you walking by <laughs> where their area is in the dance like that, like as, as yeah. easily as they would, 
in um you know what i mean in atlanta like people elbowing you and you know what i mean you're tripping over bottles on the floor and it's like people grilling you so i was like oh let me just go back to my spot you know <laughs> so if you're able to i mean it, it is kind of weird um all right so i mean I, I started partying in the 90s so i'm from that era where if there's someone in a dark corner they're over there for a reason mm-hmm. and even mm-hmm. to this day like i mean things and times change but i still get some promoters saying like hey like you know the people saying that you didn't walk around and take pictures like they've been over there like where were they were they in like a corner was it dark no i'm i'm trained <laughs> probably ptsd or something but in my head if someone's in a dark corner i'm not going over there they're over there for a reason god i whatever they're doing over there they want to be left alone doing that but then at the end of the night like sometimes you even find a patron saying hey you didn't come over here to take my picture i'm like um probably because you're in that dark corner over there <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm just from that era but yeah it things and times change as i said and you find even in the dance hall you still find people or especially the men now they definitely want their picture mm-hmm. taken definitely you said want want yes really okay. even the guys that would so so called thugs yeah they definitely want their pictures taken they want to be celebrated yeah or even like the dance hall celebrity the, the male dancehall celebrity guys like the, the, the um what do you what do you want to call them celebrity or local celebrity or dancehall celebrity? show off the gucci um, belt and you know the yeah. shoes or whatever but what i find with a lot of them is it kind of plays off into their i wouldn't say hype but it kind of plays off in, in, into their 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 projection when you approach them and you make them look like a star versus if they have to call you over and like but no they want you to come over and they kind of act like they don't want a picture, but they do want it. It's it, it, it gets great. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. It's quite a change because I remember back in the day, because not everybody who went and partied in New York knew about this like uh, club photographer thing. So I remember mm-hmm. like the photographers I knew had to have a million business cards because like the girls would be like, "What? Why are you taking my picture?" And then you got to give them a business card. And yeah, I guess that, that's definitely changed now. But um. I would say looking at your stuff, like if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't know there's certain types of events nowadays, man. Because, you know, you're getting you're getting the, the, the quote unquote upscale events right now. You know, I, I look at some of the because it, it might be regular for you, mm-hmm. <laughs> but like some of these day parties that I'm seeing, the amount of production going into them. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of event planning and, you know, all the lights and the tables and the bottles and. Yo, I mean, if it wasn't for looking at your your profile, man, I, I don't think I'll know this stuff was going on because I'm so out of the loop with that. How how's that stuff changed recently? Because I mean, I'm not even, I haven't been to not one of them. I mean, there it's been going on a while. I kind of got introduced to it. Well, I can't put a date on it, but I guess like a, a, a couple of the guys that I know from like just seeing regularly at Dream Weekend. Mm-hmm. started getting into promoting and they kind of wanted that kind of atmosphere but in new york with a jamaican flavor of course but with um or a caribbean flavor yeah but in new york city difficult to pull off because um just being a, a black promoter in new york and getting certain venues is like yeah it, it it's unheard of also like all right to get certain big venues you you you're gonna need insurance most of these yeah. promoters they're they're there's no insurance or if they do it's very small or they're not pulling a large enough crowd to get certain venues so they just have to work with what they can 
And what you find is that a lot of guys now, they, it's not say one or two promoters, it's usually like a team of maybe anywhere from eight to 20 guys mm. coming together. So it's good to see that, that um, young black men coming together and doing something like that to the point where they can say, or, you know what, this is what I do full time and yeah. leave my day job. Yeah, I mean, it's good for, good visuals. I wonder about the profitability, but that's I guess another. You know, if you're having like they the are profitable, I'll I'll take yeah. that. They they are definitely profitable, especially well, like any event. If you have the bar, right? The the, the bar is where the money is. Got it. Got yeah, it. You, you you the door covers some of your expenses, but the bar is where the money is. Um, the vibe in these parties, it's a bit more relaxed. It it's it it can get aggressive sometimes, especially when you know like. The, the, the high rollers come in and, you know, they have the Ferrari or whatever parked outside, whether it's leased or rented or they own it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but then they come in in the entourage and they, you know, they go off into their section and, you know, they create their own little hype and the Hennessy and the champagne start flowing. And then, yeah, it, it can get aggressive. But for the most part, it's usually, especially the day parties, because it's kind of hard for you to try to be a thug in a day party where everyone's dressed up. So especially event, I love going to the events where they have a strict dress code. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. If, if you're wearing your, um, your air force ones or your Jordan, uh, no, <laughs> you can't come in that alone. Just kind of get rid of the riffraffs. I mean, yeah, if you want a riffraff vibe or, or you want that kind of vibe, there's still a lot of those events going on. There's a lot more of those going on yeah. now than, than the, um, than the upscale events. But, the upscale one, it's it's uh, way more laid back, way more relaxed. Yeah, we're kind of picking a brain because, I mean, tell you the truth, you know what I'm saying, in a day I rode again, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, retired. <laughs> yeah, well, semi. Semi, yeah, semi. <laughs> make, a, make a cameo here and there. And it's cool because our listeners, you know, we got an international uh, audience here skewed towards our age group. So it's it's good to give people different access, and so we appreciate you. You know what I'm saying for that, for that alone. I mean that's real big. You know, right now the world is not that open. So once it opens up, you know how do how do people get in touch with you for your services? How do they get in touch with you or, or, or look at your photos? Well, my media house now is called NightlifeBuzz.com. N i t e l i f e b u z z. Um, spelled the same way on. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the website, all my information, all my contact information are on all of those platforms. So. Right. And and you also do advertising and everything as well, right? Yeah, I do advertise. So if you are you have an event that caters to that demographic, then yeah, I, I have an audience for you. Any, any plans for the future that you'd like to share? Any plans for the site or your business? All right. So I've been trying to get more into portrait photography. It Something that I started getting getting into a few years ago, especially when um my, my mentor, who was a former coworker, he's way 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 more talented than I am. Um, he picked up photography after I did, but he's just w- way 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 wicked talented with it, and started mentoring me and you know showing me how to like uh, compose, edit, and stuff like that. Yeah, so I started taking it up more, and right, I'd say around the end of last year, I decided to invest some money and try to you know start like a little home studio. So that's kind of what I'm getting into or I should have gotten into early this year. But then, of course, with the, you know, everything being locked down, mm-hmm. you yeah. don't want to kind of like invite guests over or stuff like that. So that's been pending. But, um, yeah, people are having events now. I, I, I mean, I know of people that have been having parties for like the last month and a half. Yeah. But yeah. 
we're getting to that phase now where like people are actually putting out full flyers with a date, time, a location, a theme, and you know just putting it out there and selling tickets and so on. But I mean, the the, the run of like the virtual events and the late nights on Instagram for the last four months, so it, it was fun. <laughs> but I look forward to going back outside. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. That's that's what's up, man. and we're looking forward to that book, man. No, actually, I I'd more do I I'd more do a, a a movie before I do a book. Really? Okay. I mean, not on me, of course, but just um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it, man. I get yeah. it. It's all good. Like I think True, it's man. all needed. You know what I'm saying? Like we do need film. We need writers. We need photography. We need the whole nine yards. You know, just really. Taking, like I said, taking the reins and controlling our culture, like, you know, our history, you know what I'm saying? Like, we, it's us. <laughs> it shouldn't be yeah. somebody, like you said, that some fly-by-night, literally, <laughs> some visitors to touch down and, and run with that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, it's not even that the, the, the person or persons were fly-by-night. It's just that they weren't from that culture and they were the first one to document that type of event in that way. And I'm scratching my head, like, why haven't anyone done that before? But yeah, it, it, it wasn't even a word to me until it, it was brought to me like that. Well, you're doing important work now. Trying, work. trying. Yeah, man. Well, MC, thank you for being on the regular Lover podcast. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Next time I see you, it's all about the rum. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. And then, and then we'll talk about that book a little bit more. You know, <laughs> the book. <laughs> <laughs> All right, right, man. man. Be safe, man. I appreciate you being on the show. We Thank you so much, you, man. Hello. All right. Yeah, man. All right, respect. Okay. All right, man. We'll talk. Take care. Shout out to MC. That was a great conversation. You know, a lot of history here in New York and in Jamaica. He has some insight as to where things are, where things are heading, you know, for the future. And hopefully we'll, we'll see each other and all of you in a dance hall soon yeah man if you're anything like me this one had you reminiscing a little bit about a couple of things the message boards back in the day such as dancehallreggae.com and then also you know the nightlife and also the day party life especially if you take excursions down to jamaica or down to the islands to party in the summertime you know what i mean this is one of those summers where we, we reminisce for a spell yeah shout out to mc thanks again bro most definitely we're gonna jump into the buzzworthy and tastemaker segments first of all for the buzzworthy i saw buju banton was advertised to perform on jimmy fallon i was pleased annually i take in as much nba playoff action as possible i don't really watch as much of the regular season and if you're into sports right now you know that everybody everything is going on at the bubble in orlando florida so after the games wrapped up i stayed up a little bit later to watch jimmy fallon on late night to see my favorite artist bujo bantam perform and if you've been listening to the show you know big bujo supporter ever since he's come out of jail I've had nothing but positive things and good things to say about everything. So on Fallon, he performed The World Is Changing off of the Upside Down 2020 album on location from Jamaica. And much like when Chronix performed 
his latest single cool as the breeze on fallon for some reason the music didn't really touch me it didn't really reach me i'm a fan of the album and the song but when i saw buju perform it it's literally the first time that i was unimpressed with his performance i don't know if it was so much his performance or maybe it was just an audio quality issue that i'm noticing with jimmy fallon show definitely check it out if you haven't seen it as yet let me know what you think it seemed like either buju was lip syncing or maybe there was a like i said there was some type of problem with the audio something just seemed a little bit off yeah man i didn't really get to check out the entire segment but uh i i did notice in the beginning there was a little bit of uh syncing issues with the audio i don't know if it was a pre-recorded track or if the audio just didn't sync with the video yeah man let us know what you think i'll put a link to that performance in the show notes so another buzzworthy topic tonight popcorn actually came out with his fixed tape it debuted last week almost two weeks now as we as the show is coming out his sales were I, I don't remember the exact number it was 600 around 680 it was under yeah under a thousand unit for the first right. week and as we spoke about before when we spoke about you know buju's album and we spoke about vibes cartels album artists recently have been having some poor sales numbers in terms of units sold and streams are included in that number maybe there's a bigger conversation there that to be had you know we're, we're watching the numbers and see to see what the trends are especially when it comes to dancehall music and reggae music you know the fixed tape did not have a great amount of promotion it just kind of came out and my first thought was you know popcorn is not beyonce or jay-z so a surprise albums are maybe not a good idea but yeah, we'll probably discuss some of these numbers later on in the season. Just wanted to let you guys know about, you know, his first week numbers, his first week's numbers. Um, we'll be monitoring the situation in the industry. Popcorn, the fixed tape. Check it out. We'll put a link in the show notes at regulover.com. Now on to the tastemaker. What I have for this week is a live performance with Leela IK and her band at home is actually a part of the NPR's Tiny Desk at Home series. Mm -hmm. If you're familiar, usually NPR would invite artists to their base yeah. to have artists perform live on that Tiny Desk platform. But right now, due to the quarantine, they're doing Tiny Desk at home. Leela and her crew are down there at Itopia in Kingston. And they performed a nice tight set, four or five songs off, all off of her the experience EP. And the sound quality was really good. Her vocals, again, blew me away. You could hear her whole range, just effortless with the delivery. So really good job, really good show. Definitely something worth checking out. You know, again, the links to that will be in the regular lover uh, show notes on the website. Yes, yes, yes. And my tastemaker for today is actually the artist or featuring the artist that I just mentioned, Popcorn. Uh, Protégé has a new song out uh, featuring Popcorn. It's called Royalty. And it's a very good song. I like it. It's it's a little bit of two worlds colliding. You know, in the song, Protégé is basically talking about the struggles 
uh, he had, um, you know, I guess in the business and who helped him get to certain places and the respect that he has for those who helped him out. That was his part of the song. Popcorn basically, <laughs> you know, had lyrics about, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess a, a little bit more of a affluent uh, taste and style. He, he talked about the different cars <laughs> that he's been driving and, you know, kind of flossing a little bit. But it's all good, you know two worlds you know uh protege is de definitely celebrating his success in his way and popcorn is ce uh celebrating his success in his way so you know i like the tune musically it's a it's a good it's a good uh look i, I like that song i listened to it the bass line on it is crazy first of all mm -hmm. it's got that you know regular revival sound to it with the drum pattern in my opinion popcorn performed better than protege on the song Okay. I really enjoyed Popcorn's addition to the to the song, his energy that he brought. And yes, he did mention some things about cars to your point, but he also was talking about coming, you know, his rise yes, definitely. from being unknown to when Cartel first put him on and he had Clark's, which was his first hit song um, with Vibes Cartel. And then the, the rise, you know, the climb, how he rose like a phoenix and now look at the success that he has. So I think it was more of a, yes. you know what I'm saying? Like an overall story of the fact that he got put on by his boy, mm -hmm. Vibes Cartel. And that went along with the theme of the song from Proto, which was like, you know, if you were there for me back in the day, when I make it, I'm going to treat you like royalty. Right? Correct. Something like that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Great song. You know, both of them definitely did their thing on the track. So shout out to Protégé and, and Popcorn. That's about what we have. Just about out of time. Do remember to check us out each and every Monday is when we release our new episodes. And do remember this season, we have a few bonus episodes coming your way. So check whatever platform that you listen to us on. We'll definitely have a few bonus episodes for you. So look out for those. Yeah, stay safe. Until next time, make sure you find some good reggae music for listening and keep your, keep your nerves calm, keep your mind focused. Visit reggaelover.com during the week. Catch up on the archives of the shows. Subscribe. Until next time. Peace. Peace. Reggae Lover Podcast was produced by Andres Agard and Aubrey Khalil Agard. Visit ReggaeLover.com for full show notes, archives, and more information. If you're interested in a sponsorship or donation, please email info at ReggaeLover.com. Follow us on Instagram at ReggaeLoverPodcast. Like our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash ReggaeLoverPodcast. So let's take a break to talk about one of our great sponsors. I tell you what, I was listening to an audio book about Bob Marley on Audible entitled So Much Things to Say. Mm -hmm. It's an oral history written and performed by Roger Steffens. He spent time down in Jamaica interviewing everybody, including Marley and everybody that was around him. So I'm talking Rita Marley, Skill Cole film crews that were down filming him, you know, all the members of the Whalers. He's having these conversations in these interviews that he also collected while he was doing the radio shows. He put all this information into a book. What's so great about it is it, it just immerses you into the experience, quoting Pita Bunny, the incidents that happened with Bob getting shot, the concert when he brings the two political leaders on stage. And so you really get the excitement, the energy of what is going on. That book right there, 
I strongly recommend it to any reggae lover, anybody that's into Bob Marley, and we have a special deal. Go to Audible and get a free book, free trial of Audible. Visit audibletrial.com slash reggae lover. And there you can grab a free copy of this book. And the reason why I like Audible is because I like to learn new things, but sometimes I don't have time to read a book. I don't have time to sit there and leaf through the pages because I got work to do. So I like to listen to books in the car, if I'm riding a bike, just taking a walk in the neighborhood. There's so many different ways that you can actually learn new information or be entertained. You know, me personally, I like nonfiction. I like biographical stuff. So Audible is a great tool to use in order to take in that information and still go along with your day. Audible, they have the best narrators. You know, you're able to keep where you're at in the book. It's a very convenient way to take in new information and be entertained. Visit audibletrial.com slash reggae lover. So much things to say. The title by Roger Steffens, Oral History of Bob Marley.